0: Creating a business is almost like having a kit or the entrepreneurial operating system. And then also understand that you also might not be your target consumer. So start to get this feel because you have to make that initial investment in the actual property. Thank you for tuning into the Isaac Velez Gonzalez show. I'm your host, Isaac, bringing you an authentic perspective into the inner workings of the world. Today's message is one you won't want to miss. So let's get straight into today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to today's episode on the Isaac Velez Gonzalez show. Thank you all for tuning in. Today's episode is going to be about business and it's going to be about the best business models to start this year. I know we're already past halfway of the year. And so while we have only halfway to go, it's still a good time to look into starting your own business or growing your own business, depending on where you're at and if that's what you want, regardless if you want to become a business owner or an entrepreneur or already are. Or decide that it's not for you, having this information is beneficial not only to yourself, but in your work life as well, whether that's on your own or for a company. So let's go ahead and get started. Creating a business is almost like having a kid. You're creating something that has life, that requires time, it has more responsibilities, um, and it's not one-sided, right? You have the financial aspect, you have the HR aspect, you have the selling aspect, you have the customer service. So there's a lot of areas that encompass a business. So you have to consider these factors when you're looking at a business. So I like to break it up into categories. So I have kind of the administrations and the operations. So things like the operating agreement or the bylaws of a company, the financial documents um, in terms of just opening bank accounts, the administration of you know how the company is run. For example, with my businesses, I love the system that this book Traction use, which is called the EOS or the Entrepreneurial Operating System. So things like this go in this folder and then I have HR and customer service. So how do I handle employees and how do I handle the customers that have issues, stuff like that? That's another category. I have marketing and sales. And I also have that one probably going to be the biggest focus for any company is that department is marketing and sales. Cause that's again, that's where all your influx is coming in without that department. You're not making revenue. You're not generating revenue and you can't make profit if you don't have revenue. So that, That branch itself is very, very important for any business. They have to prioritize that. Then you're going to have accounting and finance, right? How do you manage the books? How do you bookkeep? How are your finances looking? How's your spending looking? How's your income? How's your cash flow? These documents like your balance sheet, your income statement, your cash flow statement, all these things will be organized in this folder. And so these are some of the concepts or not concepts. These are some of the areas that every business will need to have. Now, let's get into the actual business models themselves. You can talk about whether you want to do online or physical and in-store, or a combination of both. Now, being a business isn't just about selling your own stuff. It can also be wholesaling, for example, where you might produce an item that you then sell to companies who will then sell the item. For example, let's say you want to develop a skincare brand so you create a skincare brand but you don't want to sell on your own store right you don't have any attention stuff like that so then you make a pitch to a company like target or ulta or sephora and you say here's my product here's why i think it works here's why i think i could sell for you right you create this unique selling um proposition and this value that you're selling to them and you present it to them and then you say okay let's make a deal and then they'll start selling it but again This isn't just like, it's not as easy as that because you have so many competitors and stuff like that. But again, wholesaling is going to be, you're selling to a company that will sell your product. You also have the other side of this too, where you got to understand who you're selling to. Because everyone thinks business or most people think business and they think, okay, I'm selling to people, to consumers. That's what we call B2C, business to consumers. But you can also sell to other businesses. For example, there's a good company that I have some friends that work there. And it's called Gym Pass. Gym Pass is a B2B or business-to-business company that provides consolidated gym memberships for larger companies so that way their employees can access different gyms under one singular membership that's paid per employee. So their business model is going to different businesses and saying, here's a package deal that you can pay per your employee as part of your benefits package. And one it's a tax write off for example and two your employees will not have access not only to one gym but multiple gyms business to business is their operating model they operate by selling to other businesses wholesaling again is business to consumer but it's not a direct path right because you have if you're doing wholesaling it's you the wholesaler consumer d2c which is direct to consumer is you have something the consumer has gets it directly there's no middleman so, you can also like a business too when you're talking about the models as do I want to be someone that's selling something or do I want to be a middleman? For example, there's people that maybe flip things like sneakers. That's very popular right now. So, you might become, you're not making sneakers. You just buy sneakers when they come out. You find the ones that turn a profit and the people want. You're the middleman and then you sell it to the people that want it for a premium. So, let's say you bought it for 100, you sold it for 140 and adjust for shipping or whatever costs, now your net is $20 per sneaker, for example. So you can also look to yourself to be a middleman, right? Or you can combine two industries. Let's say you have people that know how to cut grass really well, and you have people that need their, uh, their grass cut. You can be a lawn servicer. So you don't actually provide the services. You just connect the freelancer with the person who needs the freelance work, and then you charge a fee. That's another avenue. So you have to understand too, When you're starting a business, the income stream initially will usually always be low. There's very few times where the business off the bat will start generating lots and lots of revenue. And even fewer times will there be positive in profit. Because again, profit is just a difference of revenue minus cost, which means that profit can also be negative. It can be what we call in the red versus in the black. When you're starting a business or when you have a business, you have to ask yourself, what model am I in? So first ask yourself, What kind of capital do I have? Because when you don't have that much upstart capital, starting like a restaurant, for example, or a boutique or something that's a physical store is going to be a lot more risky because you have to make that initial investment in the actual property, right? There's a lot of upfront cost because you have to lease out the place. You have to renovate the place. You have to get the licenses for the place. All this sort of stuff goes on. So you're really increasing your upfront costs, your startup costs. When you're online, on the flip side, you don't have the physical place. You might have a fulfillment center if you're selling a product, but you don't have to actually lease out space. So your upfront costs have already significantly decreased just by the mere fact that you're online. The second part of this is you have to ask yourself, am I selling something or am I a middleman? Because that's the next part of it, right? Are you just connecting to people and you're not really providing additional value outside the fact that you know how to connect people? Or are you selling something that is directly providing value? Again, go either way. But you have to understand too, in scalability, when you're a middleman, it can be very difficult to scale that unless you're in a very specific niche where you can continue and continue growing. When you have a product or you have a service, that can change. The last thing about this kind of filtering process is you also have to ask, am I selling a product or am I selling a service? Because if you're selling a product, then you got to worry about more R&D and you have to worry about inventory cost and production costs. Because let's say you want to start a clothing business. If you're going to start a clothing business and let's say you start with t-shirts, you have to make the t-shirts. You have to sample size the t-shirts. You have to put the orders in and you have to figure out Okay, I need to test and make the first initial t-shirts that I like. You do that, now you're paying a bunch of money to make those. After that, you have to place the order to the manufacturer for a certain quantity. And then once you get the quantity and store it in a fulfillment center, then you start selling the orders. Some people do pre-order campaigns. Some people have done like Kickstarters, for example. I know Cuts Clothing is a brand that did that. But you have inventory, which means you're going to have upfront costs. Service, on the other hand, which is why it's also becoming so popular, where you have all these social media marketing agencies or personal branding agencies, um, even photography and videography has gotten very popular, they don't have upfront costs. You have a couple services that you pay, but the, the relative cost is basically nothing. So you have zero upfront cost, and then you start generating based on the services that you provide, and that's where it's different. So a lot of people are starting to get into that. Initially... One of the most popular ones was drop shipping, where you would, again, buy a product at a cheap Chinese supplier or like Alibaba, for example, and then you resell it on Amazon. What happens with that? It gets so saturated that it's very small the amount of people that actually turn a profit because most people aren't selling anything because there's so many people selling. So you have to understand, too, this is where we kind of take a step back. And this is where you have a red ocean and a blue ocean strategy. And there's a book, I think it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. Red ocean means it's saturated. Red kind of representing blood. There's a lot of competition. And when there's a lot of competition, it can be very hard to stand out if you don't have a good angle. And most of the time, you don't have a good enough angle. Most companies won't be able to do it. Blue Ocean Strategy is you find an area and it's relatively uncharted. Most people haven't done there. It's not very saturated. There's much less competition. Blue Ocean strategy is about finding those markets where you can operate without competition because in Blue Ocean, the strategy is all about innovation. In Red Ocean, the strategy is all about market share. Market share being how much of the total market that you're selling to do you have control over. In a sense, how much how much product are you selling to them? So, for example, Nike and Adidas might have a lot of market share over the sneaker industry, and then smaller companies. Not as much, you know, stuff like ASICs or Skechers. They might have good market share, but comparatively, it's going to be a little bit lower. And so that's all about Red Ocean. But in Blue Ocean, it's about how do I create a better product every, every time. But then again, you have to understand too, you can also be too early. Sometimes there's been companies that are just before their time. They fail. And then a company that was very similar comes out later. Or you make a service or a product that is founded on a basis of technology and that technology changes. So when you look at that frame, like, for example, people that developed apps and tried to reprogram iPods when they first came out, that was very popular. And people started generating ideas for that. When the iPhone came out, nobody cared about this business anymore. Why? Because the app store changed things. Streaming business, Netflix changed things. This is what we call disruptors. And that's what the new companies do. That's why the business landscape changes. That's why companies have to adapt or they don't exist anymore. So let's break down specifically the business models. I kind of encompassed how you get to the business model, but you have online businesses, you have... So let's talk about realistically, you have online, you have in-person, you can have service-based, you can have products-based, that sort of stuff. Um, The most popular that people are doing now Um, that's online wise, I would say is going to be affiliate marketing where you're just a middleman, right? You're just using an audience. You're leveraging an audience in order to sell a product or service that someone else is selling. And then you make a profit percentage off that. Next is going to be an Amazon um, FBA, Fulfillment by Amazon. That's usually that kind of, you put a product on Amazon and they sell it for you and they take a haircut of the fees um, for selling it and storing it for you. You have drop shipping as well, Um, So, again, that's just going to be upselling products. You have info products. Um, So, again, it's just informational products that you're selling, like courses, for example. Um, So, most of these online businesses or startup capital is going to be between one and $5,000. Margins, five to 40%, just because a lot of it's not you selling your own products in a sense. Um, Demand can vary depending on the product. It just depends what you're selling. Some products do really well, some products no one cares about, so you're just going to have unstalled inventory. Um, Fulfillment depends if it's, again, if it's a service or if it's a product, that's way different because, again, services are very easy to fulfill in a sense because it's just time. Products, you have shipping to worry about. You have logistics to worry about. You have fulfillment to worry about. Um, So that's where you got to consider that. And then, obviously, in-person, brick and mortar, you just have to understand the competition and the ideal landscape. Similar to real estate, you just have to understand how common and popular are the services that I'm offering here and how needed are they? Because again, a business is all about solving a problem for a consumer, but it's also, does that consumer actually need that problem solved? You know, think about some problem and then think about how do I monetize that problem? And then think what's, would you pay someone else to do that for you? And then also understand that you also might not be your target consumer. So start to get this feel. Of what do people want? What do people need? And that's where you really start building that business. Um, So the best business model, I would say, is going to, if it's your first business, figure out that your best skill is and get better at it. And then open up a business that's based around that skill and use that to help people advance their goals. And don't charge flat money. Charge a fee structure. Right? People don't pay you until it helps them grow. And then what you do with that is that you start building it. So you figure out what you're good at, what you've been good at, and you sell that service. And then again, you take that profit percentage off of their growth. Similar to hedge funds, 2 and 20 is what we call it. 2% management fee, 20% of profits. Profits, right? So if people are winning, you win too. If people aren't winning, well, then you're not taken away from what they didn't make. And so that model, in a sense, is very good for businesses to start out. But then again... Do research, restaurants can be a good idea depending on your location and the time you want to dedicate and stuff like that. But then you gotta understand that at some level, even if you're a business over, you still kind of have that ties to the business. So a business isn't really a business until it can be franchisable, is what um, I don't believe it, I don't know if it was said in traction, but definitely someone said it that a business isn't a business if it can't be franchised. So you want to build a model that is efficient, right? Using books like Traction, using books like Blue Ocean Strategy. So you can develop the business into something that's actually a business that ideally could be run without you. Maybe it's better when you run it, but it's got to be able to survive without you. And that's not initially, right? When you're starting up, you have to be there at all times, but you want to get to a point where you can do that because that's where you can start having the opportunity to look for an exit strategy. Whether you want to continue scaling it, whether you want to sell it off, whether you want to shut it down, However you want to do it, that's a good way to be when you're able to disassociate the business from you because if the business can't survive without you it's merely a hobby, a hobby that generates money at the end of the day. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate your time. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and as always, Vidi Vini, Vici, I came, I saw I commented. We hope you enjoyed this episode on The Isaac Velez Gonzalez Show, and we appreciate it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share this episode. We are grateful for your support, and if you are serious about improving your life, check out our coaching at www.isaacvelezgonzalez.com. Until next time, that's all for today's episode.